Hi, it's Zachy. In this episode, we wanted to seek out a voice from the ultra-Orthodox community to shed light on their experience during the COVID-19 pandemic. We sat down with Mordechai Newmark, a young Haredi man who lived in the city of Bnei Brak throughout the first six months of the pandemic. We discussed his experience in the Haredi community, the effects of the outbreak on the city and community at large, and their attitudes regarding COVID and the government. You're listening to... Israel Underground. Stories of the effects of COVID-19 are everywhere you look. Almost every country and community has been affected. Most of us experience lockdowns, mandatory mask rules, social distancing, and more. Too many experienced unemployment, financial strain, anxiety, isolation, or domestic abuse. This is, of course, in addition to the many unfortunate victims of the disease, both those who have succumbed to it and those who are still suffering today. In the whirlwind of changes on the citywide and global scale, it's hard to keep track of any one dialogue. And while there's endless coverage of COVID and its effects, for better or for worse, we wanted to set aside some space to cover the stories of those whose voices are less heard. From the early stages of the new health regulations implemented, the Haredi community was singled out. The rate of infection rose much more quickly than other areas. In March, at the start of the first wave, the major Haredi city of Bnei Brak was noted as having an infection rate of one in every three people. This was the case during the first wave and has remained so during the current second wave. On October 1st, Professor Roni Gamzu, official Corona Project Manager in Israel, reported that 40% of those who tested positive are Haredi, whereas according to recent statistics, the ultra-Orthodox only make up 12% of the population here. That means that in terms of infection, ultra-Orthodox Jews are represented over three times more than other populations in Israel. Tighter restrictions follow these higher rates, including a long-standing lockdown on Bnei Brak relatively early on. While we can speculate many different reasons why the rates of infection in the Haredi community rose so quickly, or if the restrictions were valid or properly handled at all, we thought it best to hear from the people themselves. We asked our friend Mordechai Newmark, who grew up in this community and lived in Bnei Brak for the past two years or so, to share with us his experience there during the COVID pandemic. So we are here today with Mordechai Newmark. Uh, and we are excited to uh, ask you some questions about your experience. Um, first and foremost, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and your connection to the Haredi community? So myself, myself, I grew up, started in a more Litvak community in schools, in Haredi schools. Uh, my parents are called Choser Bichuva. They were secular before then, and they came... Uh, and became much more religious uh, later in their life. And uh, I've, I've, they sent me to more religious schools after I went to Chabad, and I learned in Chabad most of my life, after Yeshiva. And after that, I something that I'm not in the regular Haredi community, the, the regular Haredi community would not do is go to the army. And I did go to the army. I'm a musician. I what I do right now is uh, QA automation in the army, and uh, I'm 22 years old, married, with a daughter, three months old, and uh, life is good. That's about me, I guess. It's nice to get to know you in that sense. But yeah, tell me a little bit more about your connection to the Haredi community, and Mazaltov on your daughter also. Oh, thanks, thanks. So I grew up in that community, so it's, and, and I lived that life as well. Really everything around me 
is uh like religiously like i live in a religious uh way so i also lived in a religious community around me okay sure so I understand that until recently you'd been living in Bnei Brak, which is a predominantly Haredi neighborhood. And I'm curious for context to hear about Bnei Brak before the pandemic began. So could you tell us a little bit more about the city and, and the people and what it's like to live there? Yeah, so Bnei Brak is, uh, is known to be a very uh, religious town, a very strong religious town with, with different zramim, with different movements in the Haredi uh, world. Like there's Litvak, Hasidim, and there's uh, all kinds of different Hasidim around there. And especially in, uh, in Bnei Brak, every, everyone has their section, kind of. In, in Bnei Brak, there's, let's say, the Vizhnitz section, there's the, the more, uh, this kind, there's even uh, different kind of uh, Litvaks, like one that go by uh, one rabbi and one go, they go by a different rabbi. And the town is really filled also with yeshivos and schools. One of the highest yeshivos in, I guess, in the world is in Nebra called Ponovich. Really, it's like everything there is, is Haredi. It's just like the whole thing is around the Haredi way of living. Like if it's stores, if it's no cars on Shabbos, the pandemic, I guess, changed uh, the way of, uh, of, of how things happened there. But before the pandemic, it was a, just a bunch of Haredim together and went down. <laughs> okay, sounds nice. So tell me a little bit more about, um, about that moment, about that turning point. Uh, once the pandemic hit, in your experience, how did people react to it? And what was like the discussion or the discourse surrounding that pandemic? So when it hit, really, the Haredi understood what happened, I think, last, only because most of them don't get their news from the regular news sources, from, like social media or secular papers or, or, uh, or TV. So they get it. Their information comes from different sources. They have their own, their own newspapers. They have, let's say, they get news from... Uh, like word mouth, word to mouth, and uh, and it doesn't come through the regular ways. So I think they received the uh, the message kind of much later than everybody else. So you mentioned earlier that there are different sects of Haredi communities living in Bnei Brak. Do you notice like a difference in the communities having different reactions to the pandemic? Yeah, like today you could see that in more extreme, but then because everybody was much uh, much more confused of what's going on, so there's uh, sometimes they had to push rabbis to come out with uh, with uh, announcements, uh, like the government had to push rabbis to come out with these announcements of, to tell the people to, to uh, abide by the rules. Let's say, and some of them did that, some of them didn't, some didn't care. They said, well, you're taking away our davening, you're taking away our learning, and we won't, we won't listen to this. It's more important to learn and daven and go to shul and, and do all these things than to protect people's health. But there's other communities, let's say the Litva community, were more aware. Like all the, all the Litva communities came out with announcements 
to to watch out uh, and obey by the rules and do what the the government said. And, um, and so it did. There is a big differences between them. There there are. Let's say Hasidim. There were Hasidim that didn't obey at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to to kind of touch on that. Uh, how did you find that? the various communities within the city kind of adhered to the health regulations that were recommended by the Ministry of Health and, and by the government? Mostly because it's the religious community, so they listen to the rabbis. So once the rabbis say you have to listen to the rules, so they generally, they listen to the rules. There were some, uh, like in the beginning, I could say in the in the first wave, some of them... Uh, weren't exactly straight with what was uh, the rabbis were saying, but at the most part, they did the, the what the rabbis said. They did, and if the rabbi said listen to the rules, so they did listen to the rules. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, interesting. So it really is kind of a filter of, um, I guess, government goes to uh, the government information makes its way to the rabbis and then from the rabbis it goes to the communities or is it kind of more of a ping pong of you know the understanding is from the rabbis or or from the government to the communities and then the communities are kind of waiting um for kind of a a call from their rabbis there is a distrust of the Haredi community towards the government there is some kind of distrust there because i guess uh also they felt, I felt it also, I can say that for sure, that I was locked down for other people, other people's mistakes and all the rest were going out free. And that also built this distrust for the second wave. You understand the first wave, what they locked down, they locked down like Bnei Brak and the Haredi communities in Yerushalayim and, and other places, but nothing else around, like let's say not secular. Um, places that also had uh, high rates of uh, COVID uh, uh, contraction. So that also built some kind of distrust. So for sure, there, there's, that's I'm saying there's anyways is just distrust between Haredim and the government. So what they go through, they go through the rabbi first. Okay. And so you mentioned that, you know, during the first wave, Bnei Brak was one of the cities that was shut down. Do you feel that the city of Bnei Brak suffered specifically from, from prejudice in the way that it was treated, or was it necessary given the rate of the outbreak, or was it a combination of both? Me personally, I felt that they hurt me. Like, I felt I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why I had policemen under my window uh, stopping people to see where they're going, but in general, I could understand that, that they didn't have to do it in the whole city. Because in other cities they did it only on on uh, on certain um, neighborhoods and uh, neighborhood they just closed down the whole city like kill yourselves inside and and uh, we don't really care what happens and that's I think that's how I felt My, a lot of people around me felt like that okay the the people around me did obey and they anyways were locked down so they they felt that that they're being treated unfairly only only because they're Haredi. Okay. So we've been hearing kind of moving on from the from the first wave, I guess, to kind of the present moment. We've been hearing a lot about 
the high rate of infection in Haredi areas. But I'm wondering if you think that that's accurate, because you, you mentioned that people felt that they were being treated unfairly. Can you describe any discrepancies between the media representation and what was actually happening on the ground? I don't know about numbers. Listen, yeah, they're, they're like, even now you could see uh, the, let's say the, the, the guys going to yeshivas, there, there were a large amount of them that did end up getting the coronavirus, Kilo. Like there was yeshivas that hundreds of students just got the virus and they had to send them into a certain, uh, in certain uh, buildings together or whatever. So there, there, is, there is more uh, contraction of the coronavirus but, at, but that's also due to the way the Haredis work. That's like we're bigger families. We live more in a community. So let's say you dive in around people all the time, uh, like three times a day. And uh, you meet, at, you go to people's houses, you eat by them. Uh, there's a lot of communication within the, um, within the Haredi communi- uh, community that's not regular to other secular communities. So, as you mentioned earlier, um, the Haredi community was kind of the last to know about the pandemic and, and kind of slow to uh, adapt to the information. But now that it's been, you know, six months and information has spread, have you noticed or do you think that uh, people are adhering to the regulations in a more stringent way? I could say some people are. There's lots of communities I've heard about lately that are saying, let's contract the coronavirus, have herd immunity, because it's too big of a, we're losing too much of learning. We're learning, like, that's what they're saying. We're learning, we're losing too much learning time and, and davening. We have to, we have to have our shul. That's what they're saying in general. So the idea there is to like contract the coronavirus so that it's no longer a barrier from the religious lifestyle. Yeah, so there is a certain, uh, uh, let's say, chassiduyot, that that's how they're they're acting. I see. So what, in your experience, what's the balance between the commitment to the religious lifestyle and in the communal lifestyle, and then also, you know, social distancing and COVID and kind of um, public safety? Like, where does that balance fall out for for you for me yeah um i'm more distancing for sure uh i see only my family and work really i don't like maybe i go to to davin uh when and i do go to davin let's say i went on a, a rosh hashanah or Yom kipper everything was separated with capsules two meters away uh masks on so the social distancing was a, a a big factor on how we we acted, like how we sat, how we uh, went up to the Torah, how everything we did had to be within the limits. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that you're the exception to the rule in the Haredi community, or is that something that's uh, you know easy to find? It's too general to mm-hmm. say, really. It's re- it really matters by the 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 maybe even going down 
into specifics, into a specific community. Because maybe a specific community could not care at all and a different one from the same kind of uh, way of life care more than they do. And you're saying a community within the Haredi community, like a sub-community. Yeah, so let's say there's Litvaks that would be very careful and there's Litvaks that will be much less careful. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just there's so much going on within the community, within like the whole religious uh, community that there's so much little pieces moving around within every little sub-community, Hasidut, uh, this rabbi, that rabbi, it's, it's very difficult to say if everyone is, 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 is uh, abiding by the rules or not. Okay. And I want to I speak for a moment uh, about, you mentioned that there was a, a kind of a feeling of frustration during the first wave where you felt that, you know, you were being put upon... Um, for the mistakes of others, right? And you had these um, curfews put in place, the quarantine put in place specifically on your city. Do you feel that that frustration is still present now in the in the second wave and during the second lockdown? Or do you feel like with the whole country in lockdown, now we're kind of all in the same boat? Yeah. So it for sure does because it doesn't exclude me as a as a as a citizen doesn't exclude me from everyone else so i do feel like that actually this wave the uh, they wanted to close only in the before they closed everything down they wanted to close only the haredi uh, cities we got like all the haredi community got really upset why only us why there's other cities that are having lots of cases and they're not being shut down um so that's what caused much more cities to be to, uh, to be put in the list, the, the, the list of red, uh, red uh, cities, and also uh, locked down everyone else. But it, there was, there was a, a, a pre, um, the, the list before then was only the Haredi cities. So it did seem like the second time and they were going to close only us down. So there, everybody did get frustrated. And you could, it just came up. Everything from the last, from the last uh, shutdown came up again. But before the shutdown happened. But now that it's kind of uh, shared mutually, it's, it's less of a sore subject, I guess. Yeah. Do you think the pandemic is sparking a more major shift in the Haredi community's mindset as to like, how they fit into the larger Israeli population? I don't think so. And at, like the community after this finish that finishes, everything's going to go back to being the same uh, in the way we, we, we live, like being all together and helping each other and, uh, and, uh, and, and being closer together, that will stay the same. And, and the communication, I'm sure that it will, still keep the distrust that there is towards the the government but just in a much much stronger and negative way well i hope that uh, a return to uh the regular 
routine is in store for all of us. Um, I want to thank you very much for, for kind of sharing your experience. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us and our listeners about your experience during the pandemic or just uh, as being a member of the Haredi community in general? I could say by the time I was in the army, that's what I could talk about was I guess I was in the army and when the pandemic started, so they send us home for two months. It was like the best two months I had in my life. <laughs> and uh, after that, I, I had to go into quarantine and I didn't get paid. So it really hurt me uh, financially. But in general, I was kilo. It didn't hurt me that much. Uh, Miriam, my wife, was uh, uh, on uh, parental leave. So, so we were okay, I think, in that time. And we had fun, I guess, the rest of the time. Well, that's great. Hopefully, uh, this lockdown brings more fun and uh, quality family time, uh, which I'm sure you are uh, appreciative of. Uh, I know that I am. Uh, Mordechai, I want to thank you for coming on and speaking with us. Um, You're I really learned a lot, and it was really cool to hear your perspective on things. Anytime. As we all stay updated on the spread of the pandemic, it's interesting to turn statistics into voices by hearing from the people themselves living in more affected areas. Mordechai shed light on the Haredi perspective to the pandemic and government regulations in general, describing the challenging balance between adherence to a strict religious lifestyle and social distancing. Thanks for listening. We're excited to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or people whose voices should be heard, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm slash Israel dash underground. The dash is important. Don't forget the dash. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki farber Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.